0: Robert Hunt Financial Market Update. It's your host, Robert Hunt, where we look at the week's financial news. That can be a bit confusing, misleading, and take you off course and help to make it actionable, understandable, and clear, and sometimes fun. This week, we're actually looking at two articles and then stepping into Robert's Corner, where it's always a wonderful day in the neighborhood. And we're going to look at cash management strategies, because that's what everyone's talking about. And that's what I'm thinking about. But on the article front, we have a Wall Street Journal article by Mr. Gunjan Benarji titled, Trading Stocks Loses Its Thrill. If there was ever a layup for the Robinhood Financial Market Update, that's it. But some wonderful lessons in there. And then our second article by Jennifer Sors, a Reuters syndicate. Uh, I, I found it through businessinsider.com. Long-term investors, the headline says. Should be plowing 80% of their portfolios into stocks and other hard assets. BlackRock, BlackRock Chief Larry Fink says. BlackRock being one of the largest managers of assets in the world. And I believe that headline deserves some translation. So let's start here. Trading stocks loses its thrill. I would get burned. Subheadline: Individual investors are dialing back on risk across markets. The article begins, trading in the stock market just isn't much fun anymore. Mm. So some folks are actually accumulating cash now. And they're tracking it in funds that have bonds or money markets because I like the yields. Which have soared to 16-year highs for those of you who are watching that. I found this interesting. I want you to think though, how much is the S&P 500 up this year? Can't ask Jet, GPT. Can't ask the Google machine. But just think about it. It's up 13% this year. When I read that, I thought, oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, it really is. Some Sometimes I'll be in meetings with clients or I'll be talking with people and, oh, they just, oh, this, and this market, Robert, I just, this market, I just certainly don't trust it. Certainly can't trust it. Feel like it's, uh, it's been a rough market. Well, you're up 13% on the S&P 500. So I'm curious what's happening. Um... And what they may mean is they just don't feel good about it. But uh, this article followed a couple individuals and a couple message boards. So if you'll recall, there was a Reddit board, Wall Street Bets. This was the famous group that was involved in GameStop and other hot stocks. Its conversation is actually trending away from uh, stock picking and going to interest rates, bond yields, and inflation. There are a few brags about risky trades, but the investing community is beginning to shift. There's a there's a big chart on this article, and these articles are in the show notes, as you know. If you want to look at them, margin debt balances. Okay, so you guys know what margin debt is? It's money that is borrowed against stocks. So you pledge your stocks and you borrow money like you borrow money on a... On a credit card or against a home. You just borrow the money. You got to pay it back. But the brokerage house lends this money out. Because you have collateral. Your collateral being these stocks that are in your account. And the peak of this was about just before 2022. It peaked at, I'm going to say, 800 something billion dollars. And now it's down a little bit. And now maybe 600 and... $30 $30 billion or so. I'm uh, just looking at the chart. But I went ahead and took a peek today at just what one broker was charging, Charles Schwab. This is very expensive money people are borrowing at. The cheapest that I saw was about 11%, and it went up to about 14.5% at Schwab. I know there are going to be cheaper places like Interactive Brokers and others, but just know, when you see a chart that says, wow, there's about $600 billion on margin, these people, this is this is madness, borrowing money at 11%, hoping you make money in the stock market. If you're listening, and you're borrowing money on margin, and the stock market's up 13% this year, you've gotten bailed out. Pay off your margin loans. This is a game uh, that you do not want to play. Very high hurdle rate, that 11%. So a profile here is of Mr. Ruhil Hamid, who was one of those risk it type traders, he used to be an options trader the article explains so, COVID he was just borrowing heavily to magnify bets 2021 he did it he loved it Uh, the article explains he actually splurged on homes in Vegas and Charleston Uh, so He must have been doing pretty good. It says he bought an expensive watch I'd never heard of. It must be a knockoff to the Casio, my own watch, but uh, (laughs) I really can't even say it. Um, But I'm sure you've heard of it, especially if you're a watch person. Uh, When the market started tumbling, though, this gentleman, Rujil, he never gained back the ground that he made. So he actually started a cleaning company called One Touch Cleaners. Uh, a more stable source of income for him. And this has been happening across just about every platform. So they talk about Charles Schwab, where the daily average trades fell uh, to the lowest level since early 2021. It talks about uh, E-Trade, which is now owned by Morgan Stanley, and Robinhood, the uh, app that became very popular. They are all at some of their lowest levels in two years. So investors who historically make these bets on individual stocks hoping they go up and sell them quickly they are throwing in the towel and they are not throwing in the towel because they are profitable they are throwing in the towel because they have lost money so it is a really good thing to be an investor it is a really hard thing to be a speculator these folks were speculators and what happens with speculators is they eventually lose their confidence and they are such short term minded money moves that they are making that they can't keep it up. You really start to doubt yourself. Whereas, whereas, an investor with a 30- or 40- or 50-year mindset can just keep it going. The article highlights we now have this really fun alternative called Money Market Funds and Bonds, where when people look around, they say, wow, I can just invest in the 10-year treasury at almost 5%, or I can invest in a corporate bond fund at 7.5%, why was I speculating on these stocks? Why, what, was, what was motivating me? This, these quick riches that now don't... Didn't really work out. So... Oh, and then I... Oh, this was a great advertisement for indexing in this article. It said, Some investors have found that if they didn't hold a handful of tech stocks known as the Magnificent, Magnificent Seven, their portfolios lag behind the market. At one point this spring, those stocks... I'm going to read these seven. Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Google... Amazon.com, NVIDIA, Tesla, and Meta platforms were responsible for virtually all of the stock markets year-to-date advance. Did you hear that? Those seven stocks, they contributed to basically all the advance in the stock market. If you didn't hold those, if you were an individual security selector, and you missed, you omitted those from your list, this was not a good year. If you are a savvy investor and elected to use an index fund, you didn't have to worry about which securities were in your holdings. You put them all in there and benefited as a result. So, we don't delight at all in any way at the misfortune of some of these folks who historically, in the 2020-2021 era, had done very well. But we do delight in their turning and walking back towards the Father's house after eating the pods with the pigs thinking huh I think, I think I'll think i go back to maybe being an investor this is not fun anymore and they remember that there's a better life out there then a uh, a Reuters syndicated article by Jennifer Soar long, I actually watched this, she's basically pulling this article from a TV interview that I watched on CNBC, long term investors should be plowing 80% of their portfolios into stocks and other hard assets, BlackRock chief Larry Fink says so I watched this for you the listener because you're important and I'm willing to watch videos on the internet just for you Mr. Jim Kramer was there on set that day Larry Fink BlackRock CEO BlackRock being one of the largest asset managers in the world they just have just it feels like an infinite amount of money now that they've Hoovered up. But I found this surprising. What I've been reading lately, and what I've been hearing in the news is, uh oh, here come the bond funds, here come the money market funds, as you heard from the last article, people are just saying, huh, yeah, I'll just punt here and just put my money in cash and clip my five percent or so on the money market and be done. What mister Fink is saying is, not so fast, my friend. The CEO of the world's largest asset manager touted stocks and hard assets like real estate and infrastructure as healthy long-term investments. So Fink said, ah, here it is, an interview with CNBC last week. Fink was giving the vision to not let yourself be captured by these momentary high yields and have a 10 and 20 year view, which of course I liked. Fink has quoted, you've got to have a 10 to 20 year view, Fink added, I'm a hopeful person. I believe that in 10 years, and 20 years, humanity will be in a better position than it is today. With that view, I want to own hard assets. I want to own equity. I want to be part of this economy. Another quote for a long-term investor with a long-term view who can tolerate market volatility, you should be at least 80% in equities or hard assets. The article continues, investors who have an especially high tolerance for volatility could even have a 90 or 100% allocation to equities, Fink added, Though he noted many investors could not afford the big downswings. When an article like this comes out, we've got to remember that personal finance is personal. So even though the largest asset manager, their CEO, comes on and says, You got to be in the stock market, you got to be in the stock market all the way, we've got to remember that may be true for him, maybe, or he's just kind of telling you what he thinks that day and what's most important is what you can stick with over a 10 or 20 year period. Not what Mr. Fink can stick with who's worth 2 billion dollars or so. I'm guessing. I don't know that. It's important that instead of anchoring ourselves to either view, because that's what's coming at me right now in the news one view is hey, rotate into bonds, rotate into money market. Why take any portfolio risk if you're getting a risk-free return at the 10-year treasury almost 5%, what's the point? You hear that? On one shoulder, then the other shoulder, you hear Larry Fink tell you, hey, the world is getting so much better. The innovations that are occurring, the AI revolution, and couple that with robotics, couple that with all these medical advances, that's going to lead to incredible returns in all these companies. Well, who... Who's right? Well, it depends. What I care about for each client, for you, the listeners, what what makes sense for you? What can you stick with for 20 years? It may be that a money market fund is the perfect solution for you because we could have a 30% drawdown next year in the S&P 500. I don't know. That's just a possibility. We could also be up 30%. Again, I don't know. But the key to investing is what is an investment setup I can put together that's simple, that the investor can stick with, and that's not an easy answer. Oftentimes as investors, we will not handicap ourselves very well. It helps to have a third party come in and understand our temperaments and our story and our risks so that they can actually assign risk. They can actually assign what sort of risk we should be engaging in, not ourselves. So I I find both to be true. I think for some folks, yeah. equity, sure 20 year period maybe you're younger, maybe you just don't have any um, expenses on the horizon that would require you to be conservative, great go ahead but you've got to keep personal finance personal or you'll get whiplashed by these articles these articles aren't going to stop this is a constant push and pull in the market do I go to cash? do I go to bonds? should I be in the stock market? I wish it was that easy. Uh it's you got to keep it personal. And now we enter Robert's Corner where it's always a wonderful day in the neighborhood. Won't you be mine? Won't you be mine? Won't you come into Robert's Corner? I want to talk about cash management strategies. It's something that I've been doing in just about every client meeting that I've been engaging in because it just matters a lot more now. You remember this used to just not matter. I usually I used to tell people a couple years ago, hey, whatever's convenient, oh, yeah, your buddies at that bank, fantastic, fantastic, that's great, or, hey, you like that app, you like that software platform, Kind of the, you like the color, whatever, it looks good, good app, cool. Nowadays, we got to be ruthless, we got to be really focused and systematic. And when you think about a cash management strategy, what comes up top of your head is, hey, I want to maximize my earnings, well, of course. And when I say cash management strategy, what I mean is utilizing your money that you have in cash to generate a high interest rate while also still being convenient and easy to use. So I want both of those to work well for you. So if you start out and you just maximize for interest rate, well, there are ways to do that, but it's not always convenient. My current favorite arrow in the quiver is utilizing exchange-traded funds with very short-duration corporate bonds or a simple money market fund at Vanguard. So, uh, there's an exchange-traded fund, ticker VUSB, Victor Umbrella San Jacinto Bueno, VUSB. And it yields about 5.5, a little over that, to the Vanguard money market fund's 5.3, that VMFXX, Vanguard's money market. Now, you can keep chasing yield all the way. There's actually you can just keep going up, but I don't like going any higher on short-term cash needs than about 5.5% right now with a short-term investment grade, uh, short duration, one-year duration bonds. But that's probably my hey. If I could short-term cash, yep, I'm good with that. VUSB. Here's the problem: not easy. You gotta you gotta sell it. You gotta buy it. it takes you about two days for the funds to settle, and then you can move it. To money market, then you then you can pull it to your checking account. For a lot of people, that's just not worth it. Or we've created enough complexity where you're just not going to use it. So that's the maximizing interest rate. The maximizing easy is you just have one checking account. Call it a day. And that's all you got to do. One checking account, maybe a savings account, but you don't worry about interest rates at all. You just optimize for ease of use, transferring the money in an easy manner. Well, you're depending on how much cash you have, you could be leaving a lot on the table. So what's that Venn diagram that includes both of those ideas? We're going to maximize free yield, we're going to also include ease of use and utility. It's going to be different for every client. But, it's you must go through the exercise. What I see most right now is a little bit of inertia. As Jamie Dimon once said, the most powerful force in the universe, inertia. It's hard to change things if we've been doing them a certain way. So, I like to at least discover what is the opportunity cost of me not having a cash management strategy. And until I say that number out loud, oftentimes folks really don't care about it because that convenience factor of, hey, I can move my money here, I'm familiar with the app, whatever, it seems to override everything. But when I throw a number out and I say, well, this might cost you X, Y, or Z, all of a sudden, picture that in 20s and 10s on your desk and you all, you, you you sober up pretty quick. So, every platform and the Fidelity, Schwab, Vanguard, they're all going to have these pluses and these minuses. One of the great pluses of Vanguard is their default cash automatically goes to their money market at 5.3%. So, if you're a Vanguard account holder, you don't have to do a ton of work. Whereas at Schwab and Fidelity, you got to do a little bit, of, little bit of calisthenics. However, what I'm hearing about Vanguard lately is their customer service is no good. They've been swamped with new clients that they're just stretched so thin that I hear back from folks that, man, kind of a bear to work with them. I know the interest rate's better, Robert, but I'm just not sure the juice is worth the squeeze. Fantastic. So be it. Let's go to Schwab. Let's go to Fidelity. But find that balance. Be willing to first discover, hey, if I can make 5.3% of my cash and I'm making none or close to none now, what's something I could do to maximize that cash? Be willing to ask tough questions of yourself because the answer may end up being pretty profitable and not that big a change for you. So keep finding ways to maximize that cash. And as always, keep those costs low. Keep that investing simple and keep that time horizon long. That's what's going to give you your best shot on investing.